psychiatrist and Harvard professor George Valiant. He did a study from 1972 to 2004. So 30-plus years, he followed around 300 people. And through interviewing them and, again, following them around for, for 30 years, uh, interviewing their family members, their coworkers, and kind of measuring and wanting to measure their, their happiness and fulfillment, he, he summed up, he wrote this whole um, summary of his findings, but he, he, he boiled it all down, he said, a summation of his findings with this. He says, love is all that really matters. When he looked at those 300 people over the course of 30 years, love is all that really matters. And if you're anything like me, like when I hear those, like that phrase, it's like, it, it kind of brussels me a little bit. It's cliche. I, I don't like cliches. But really, like none of us think that, that that's not right. There's nobody in this church this morning would stand up and raise their hand and say, you know what, Father Mark, yeah, I, you know, I think this is more important than love or that's more important than love. Nobody, there's nobody in here right now would do that because nobody at the end of the day thinks that. No one thinks there's something that's more important than love. We know deep within us when we're maybe void of love or we're falling short in giving charity or receiving love. We don't need a Harvard professor or a psychiatrist to tell us this, that love is at the end of the day, all that really matters. And it's a, that's a Christian idea that, that we know as humans, we're created by God and we're going toward him, that we're made for him, that we're made for love. That's a Christian understanding. And we see this in the gospel today where Jesus kind of sums everything up. They come and said like all the laws, what's, like, what does it all come down to? And Jesus boils everything down to the two great commandments. He says, the love of the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And in order for us to do that and for us to carry out the two great commandments, it's important, it's important for us to look at getting self-love right. And then secondly, the key prerequisite to all of it. So first, getting self-love right. Have you noticed the last number of years that there's a lot of talk about self-love? Everywhere you turn, whether it's advertisement, politicians, celebrities, there's talk about self-love and self-care. Self-love has become like this core principle of modern wellness. I know some of you are thinking, right, Father Mark, don't do it. Yeah, you know, like, don't you dare tell us that self-love is wrong. You always talk about the culture over here. And then, like, don't, don't tell us self-love is wrong. For Pete's sake, Jesus, and we just heard him say, love your neighbor as yourself. So there's self-love right there. Jesus is saying it himself. Right. I'm not going to say self-love is wrong because it's not. But it can be. And we're increasingly getting it wrong today. And it's too important to get wrong. Because if we get self-love wrong, we really can't love God and we can't love our neighbor. St. Thomas Aquinas drew this, he made, he made the important distinction between ordered self-love and disordered self-love. 
When self-love is properly ordered, he says, it always draws us closer to God. It always draws us closer to our neighbor. It, it draws us into communion when we're, when we're practicing proper self-love. When, disor when disordered self-love or with disordered self-love, a person forsakes his relational identity for one of imminence, selfishness, self-preoccupation, self-concern become the norm. Aquinas says, paraphrasing him, he says, and this goes against one's true metaphysical identity. And he says the net result of disordered self-love, the net result is sorrow and self-isolation. Disordered self-love takes the form of self-absorption. It's too much focus on the self. It cuts us off from communion. It cuts us off from our relational identity. And it is the disordered self-love that we have in spades today in the culture that's pushed on us. And that's how to operate. And it's keeping us then, therefore, from love of God and from love of neighbor. There's a great article in, in, in uh, Time Magazine that came out a couple months ago. And the title of the article nailed it. The title said, or the title is, self-love is making us lonely. Goes on to say in the article, it says, the self-love that many of us have grown accustomed to today veers from its authentic origin. It doesn't get into name that it, it's from God and that's why we're made. It says, chewed up and spit out by toxic consumerism, it has been drained of its, of its relational potential. Instead, now, it is often used by corporations and influencers alike to sell products and keep people hyper fixated on themselves. It is a force of isolation rather than attachment, the article says. See, that gets the distinction that Thomas Aquinas talks about between the two types of self-love. The ordered self-love, self-love in general is meant for connection and we're veering from it. Even Time Magazine, and we're picking it up. We know it deep within our bones. Can you see it? Can you see it in your own life? Can you notice it? Do you see it in the culture? You see what's pushed everywhere. You know, I t I've mentioned before from time to time, I go into iTunes and I'll, I'll listen to the top songs in the U.S., you know, to listen to trends and themes, you know, a lot of times I, I have to brace myself, right, uh, before doing it. But, you know, music tends to both express the cultural mood and it also directs it. Uh, it shows what's getting attention and it shows especially, um, you know, directs especially our youth. And over the summer, Miley Cyrus came out with this hit song called Flowers, and it rose to the top, number one, top of the ranks. I listened, I mean, it is incredibly catchy. I had that song in my head for like three months. Incredibly catchy song, and certainly it probably rose to number one on the charts because it's incredibly catchy. But I think songs don't rise 
and stay at number one for that long and that and go that quick up top unless it deeply resonates with millions and tens of millions of people. And that's, I think, what this song did and does. The refrain goes like this. I can buy myself flowers. I can take myself dancing. And I can hold my own hand. I can love me better than you can. You can hear the sorrow and the self-isolation in there. Now, granted, you know, maybe she just, maybe someone just broke up with her in a relationship and it's like she's dealing with all that. But it also points on the, it points on the narrative in the culture of the disordered self-love. The perpetual state of, of disordered self-love that we're in. And, you know, we've mentioned numerous times and research continues to reveal that people are increasingly cutting themselves off from one another. One study recently showed that 54% of Americans felt like no one in their life knew them well. 22% of younger Americans stated that they rarely or never have someone they can turn to in need. So all of this isolation and lack of connection, something needs to fill the void. What's filling the void? Self-love is filling the void. That's why we're hearing about it and it's talked about all the time, self-love. But the self-love that's being talked about and encouraged is not the properly ordered self-love. It's the disordered self-love. And can you see the broken loop? Because as what Aquinas says, what, what does improper or disordered self-love lead to? Self-isolation. What is the thing that's causing us to disordered self-love? Isolation and lack of connection. So it's this broken loop. Can we see it? The proper antidote is the ordered self-love. And we know we're practicing healthy self-love when we feel connected to God and we feel connected to others, when we're in union with God and others. Kind of summed up a, a contemporary author, Father Jacques Philippe, in his book, Called to Life, says it this way. Love of God, love of neighbor, and love of self grow together and sustain one another as they grow. If one is absent or neglected, the others suffer. Like the legs of a tripod, all three are needed in order to stand, and each leans on the others. That's when we're whole. That's when we can love. That's when we can fulfill the two greatest commandments in which the Lord gives us. So the question I think to ask ourselves is, am I loving myself right? Am I loving myself correctly? Like when I look at my life, am I consumed with ordered self-love? Or am I more consumed with disordered self-love? Another way to ask it is, does the way I love myself bring me closer to God and others and my family? Or is it cutting me off? Is it leading me further away from my spouse and God and others? And we, so secondly here, and this is 
brief, brief point here, the, the, the key prerequisite. We can talk about loving God and loving neighbor and loving ourselves till we're blue in the face. But if we don't have the, pre, the, the key prerequisite, forget it. So that same Harvard professor and psychiatrist, that, and he summed up his 30 years of following the, the, the 300 people, he also said this. It is very hard for most of us to tolerate being loved. The hardest thing about love for most people is being loved. To tolerate, to tolerate being loved first by God. First John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. See, I can't love God and my neighbor and, 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 and have proper self-love if I'm not first receiving the love of God. If I don't know that I'm created, I'm known, and I'm held together by a heavenly father, if I'm not receiving, if I have not and receiving the love of God. So the question. Question is like when when was the last time you absorbed God's love for you? Really received it, really like soaked it in and sat with it. Do you know that? This week, give them 30 minutes this week. Have it on the calendar, have it in your head. 30 minutes that you're going to have set aside and these 30 minutes, I'm going to ask him and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go into these 30 minutes with the intent to just solely, simply to receive the father's love for me. Have it here, come to the church for the 30 minutes, do it in your living room before everyone wakes up, whatever it needs to be. But when you do it, as you set out to do it, expect barriers. When you sit down to do it, because as we know to be the case, and as this Harvard professor says, it's very hard for most of us to tolerate being loved by God. So expect the barriers. Oh, not that spot. Like, I, I, like, I can't be loved there. I don't want to be loved there. I'm afraid to be loved there. Not that spot. But it is that spot. It's then and it's only then will we be able to love God to love our neighbor and to love ourselves, not with a disordered self-love, but with a properly ordered self-love.